All right, welcome back to 3MFAers. I'm Caleb John Cushing. I'm an actor, writer, filmmaker. Joining me today are my two, the two loveliest co-hosts in the entire world. Hi, I'm Brandon McPherson. I'm also an actor. I have an MFA from the Actor Studio Drama School, and I'm from Toronto, and I'm currently in isolation. Also here with our other co-host, Joshua Stir in the flesh, online. Um... Joshua Stir here. You guys all know, director, actor, video game extraordinaire. <laughs> and yeah, just hanging out with my two buddies on a Saturday morning. Gonna talk movies and special events. Can't wait. Special events? Beautiful right. Saturday morning in ISO. I didn't know we had uh, special events going on. I'm excited. Well, news. I, you, you know. Yeah, tell, fill us in. What's, what special events have been happening for you? Uh, I have been dealing with putting up drywall and spackling and painting. Uh, we're painting nice. a oh whole, like, we fixed up a wall in Ryan's room, so now it, that's taken two years to do, um, that I finally pushed him to do. So we're painting it today and hopefully put the room back together and kind of sync up our synergy in the room. You know what I mean? Nice. It's kind of stressing me nice. out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um <sighs> Yeah, that's kind of been it. I haven't, uh, before Caleb, you ask, I haven't really played Final Fantasy VII, although <laughs> although I did get caught in the mansion. Uh, I did get to Cloud's hometown, uh-huh. and the safe, the safe boss threw me off off a whack, or off a whack, that's not, <laughs> um, threw me for a loop because I didn't realize like the physical and magical damage, and then he like, whichever one you beat him most with at the beginning, he becomes super resistant against so that kind of sucked so i died and then i had to you know go back to like the the canyon which ryan's like you know you can save like in the map world and i was like oh yeah that would work next time um so i have that but i've also caught up on rick and morty i'm all the way through and have you are you guys up to season four or brandon have you watched it seen the first five i just haven't seen the the newest two episodes okay but you first yeah and there's a new one tonight yeah yeah, I've seen so, the first five episodes of season four, and like I've seen every other episode. Um, just so not the my, last two. Cool. I think it's great. <laughs> I we we just watched um, the one with oh I forget uh, who who cares. But my favorite, my two favorite ones, top two right now are uh, the dragon one, mm. the slut dragon, <laughs> and yeah, the um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know why slut dragon pickle pickle laugh. Rick was one of my favorite Pickle episodes. Oh, uh, Pickle Rick is the biggest like meme. That's right. like the one that like pe- when people complain about Rick and Morty fans, they like mimic people quoting that episode right. as like being really annoying, uh, which it is. It's like, it's like pretty annoying, but it's supposed to be. Um, so that's why. Oh I no, the last, funny. sorry. I the last say... one I watched was the meta one. They were super meta. Okay, uh, Brandon, you'll watch this later. Yeah, well, the Brandon okay. hasn't seen that one yet. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was gonna it's very Caleb. It, it reminded me of Caleb's writing like, Caleb could easily write that episode. Yeah, it was. It's definitely. I. I will. Yeah. I. We won't talk about the the latest two, so that Brandon can go in with like more or less kind of open. Whatever. They're good. I think they're both I'm, good. I'm stoked for them. I would say. I would say my favorites are. the The episode that really got me like into it in season one, um, was like halfway through with the Cronenbergs, oh, the love potion, yeah. and like they like keep like fucking up and making it worse and they go to like the alternate reality and like they bury their other selves i was like okay this is like a yeah. different kind of and then thing that leads to like one of the best moments in the entire show when uh morty turns to summer who's like freaking out and he's like look outside <laughs> do you see those mounds over there 
that's my body that I buried myself. Nobody belongs anywhere. Yeah. Nothing's important. <laughs> Nothing, Nothing matters. matters. Come watch Come TV. And watch TV. <laughs> I love that. I so love good. um I love the episode with um I wish I could remember their names. I'm usually better at remembering like episode names. But it's the one with um they're like they're like they're like dream parasites, and they have like all the characters and like trying to remember like who's real and who's oh, not. It's the one with Mister yeah, yeah, Poopy yeah, Butthole. Yeah, me, Mister Poopy Butthole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said there's like the, yeah, the parasite. Yeah. And they said something is out of the, but they they put memories in your head, so you're all part of the memories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just so fucking ridiculous. And then like I I just love That's Jerry. I, I think say. Chris Parnell's the great. Best part of that episode, he's is... like, I'm a parasite, and she's like, I know Jerry. <laughs> and then Jerry's like, Jerry's not married to what's her name. Like his boyfriend is right, or no? It's supposed to be their what's what's happening? No, he was he was in love was with that, like uh, Rick, Jerry's like a brother, stupid Rick, right? Or was that no 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 it's, no no? it's not a Rick. It's like another no. He fell he fell in it's love. Dude. With uh, Sleepy, Sleepy Gary. Gary, but is Sleepy Gary uh, Beth's husband during this now? Isn't that a thing? Yeah, yeah, like it's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but then they, but then it's like a Clint. They do like a Brokeback Mountain yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> but they do it all about like seeing Star Wars and yeah. <laughs> there was one that was yeah. I I love that shit. <laughs> my my favorite episode was the uh, at first it was definitely the one with it's Rick versus the Devil. That's my favorite episode for sure. Oh, that one's great. Yeah. <laughs> that one's really good too. With Alfred Molina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then um most recently was the heist one, where they're just making fun of heist movies. <laughs> yeah, no, that was yeah, that's a good one. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that one was actually that one's probably might be my least favorite out of like the newer ones. Just because Because to me it feels like I wasn't like watching the show. I was just like listening to Dan Harmon's opinion about heist movies. Yeah. Like, oh, I heard, sure. like, his, like, you know what I mean? And that bothered me. It doesn't seem to, like, bother. I mean, like, Son of a Bitch I'm In is, like, funny for sure. And I like Justin Thoreau's performance. He's really great as, like, the fucking yeah, other the The, the guy. whatever head stealer. But I don't know. Like, compared to, like, Slut Dragon <laughs> or, like, any of this other. Well, yeah, with, like, Matthew yeah, Broderick. He's yeah. like, hey, can you guys, you want to go to Florida? Death Crystal? Death yes. Crystal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode. Yeah. Oh my god, the uh, the Nazi like everything's like fascist. Is that the yeah. And like <laughs> and my my favorite moment was when he he's like a teddy bear and like he just comes out and he says the line and he's like, "Oh god, he just smashes his head into the glass just to kill himself." Was probably mm-hmm. one of the funniest moments. I think for me like the words and the dialogue I have to the, whatever I have to listen to, I you know, I got to find it witty or funny, but it's the it's the quick action, right? It's that that moment of like, oh god, react, yeah. and I'm just, I'm dead. I'm on the floor. Yeah, the animators deserve a lot of credit for like making like the physical comedy. Really it, well, fun. exactly. Was, uh, it's, it's it's interesting you say that. I was watching a, I was watching the uh, community podcast that they did the other day, um, the reunion. Yeah. And Dan Harmon was talking about how at the time he just didn't know any better on Community, and they'd be doing things budget wise that just made no sense and were so big that now doing rick and morty the animators would be like you can't do that but for community he just didn't know any better so he'd be like no that's what we're doing we're gonna make a fake spaceship that's a car today and uh you know just like <laughs> random shit like oh we're doing paintball yeah my we're favorite moment cost- yeah sorry go ahead no no go ahead. go ahead um i said another one of my favorite moments is like so uh ryan has a very critical eye with entertainment and like tv shows and stuff and so i've started watching gotham and i'm on season two right now 
But Rhino, okay. like the first few episodes I was watching, like I have it on in the background while I'm playing, you know, I'm on the computer or whatever. Like I'm not actually like sitting watching it. Right. You know, but I figured I'd owe to myself to at least figure out, see what the show is since I like Flash and Arrow and, you know, Supergirl and stuff like I, that. But I enjoyed Gotham. I thought it was great. I And I've been told that the last few seasons are spectacular, but it, you have to build to it. Right. And so I'm sitting there and he goes, he just kind of huffs. Right. He's like. Oh, let me see. It's like another one of those crime dramas just with the skin of Batman over it. You know, let me guess. Penguin is trying to work his way up or whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, but I, awesome. I don't see how you can watch this. And I said, well, I don't, you know, really see the point of like argument. Like it's not trying to be anything that it's not like I don't get your argument here. It's not trying to challenge you. It's it's on Fox. It's a network television TV show. You know, it's. Obviously, it's going to have this like very stylistic kind of corny thing to it. Yeah. I'm still going to like watch it anyway. So we were watching Rick and Morty, and there was the one, the Vindicators episode, and Vindicators mm, yeah. three. Oh, it's so where funny. Morty's just like, yeah, it's something about taste. Morty's like getting mad at Rick for like overanalyzing and just hating it, and I'm just like, babe, yeah. that's that's I'm Morty and you're Rick. You're totally Rick right now. You're just overanalyzing things and just. You don't like it because it's not challenging because nothing means anything anymore. There's nothing original. And it was just so funny because he said something about like, yeah, because you have no taste. I'm going to get a drink. I'm like, babe, that's literally our conversation we just had over Gotham. <laughs> it was just it was really funny. I mean, I think there is I think there is something to be said about like those kinds of TV shows sort of like, um, how do I want to phrase this? I don't it, it kind of feels sometimes that they're like tricking the audience by presenting themselves they're not committing to one or the other right they're like it's prestige television but it's about like superheroes but it's good it's like dark like fucked up superheroes and it's like no it's like it's like better it's like it's like when people were like game of thrones is fantasy for people who don't like fantasy which is like completely wrong right it feels like it's the same idea where it's like, it's superheroes, for, but it's actually like good because it's a cop procedural. Like they're embarrassed to be like what they are. So they have to pretend to be other things. And that's kind of like my issues with the presentation of it. I think like I fucking love shit like Justice League and Batman animated series and the Avengers and, and X-Men and all that shit. But like it feels like these like Fox shows are embarrassed about it so they have to like try to be a fucking gritty well, so you know what i mean and it feels kind of disingenuous to so me i actually like watched it and i watched all of it um it uh i can totally see why that is the outward perception and that actually makes a lot of sense and it's very well put about like why it didn't do as well as i thought it should have and things like that because you're right it does seem that way when you watch it it seems like it's come from a different perspective it seems like it's come from a perspective of like oh we wanted to do a cop show with a strong cop lead. There's 9 million of them. How do we make it entertaining? Mm -hmm. They wanted us to do a Batman show. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's do this kid. And like we'll make him a kid. And we'll do it that way. And we'll go from there and see where it goes. And there's like a big... The first season, the first couple episodes, little rough. Little rough. And I'm a big fan of the main guy. You know? Uh, he really finds it. As Jim Gordon, like he finds his his spot in it for sure. The kid starts killing it as young Bruce Wayne, and the sure. other guys that you've put into place to be like your carryover bad guys come out of nowhere. Like the kid who played the Penguin blew up; he became the show. You know, 
Yeah, he was on Walking Dead yeah, for, for a so, hot so shit like that. And so the show from Inside Out is is well done, in my opinion. It comes from a place that it's it's switched around from that outside perspective. Well, what I find interesting mm-hmm, so. is like Ryan sarcastically gave the um pitch, let's say. He's like, it just seems like people went into the the studio and was like, Hey, I'm thinking like there's this period of Batman we don't you know, we always get the the death of his parents and then he's Batman. Like what happens like right afterwards immediately? And what if we Jim Gordon, we have him as the lead character and kind of goes into this and I'm sitting here going, yeah, I'm, I guarantee that's exactly what they, <laughs> what they said and what they green lighted. But you know, there's moments cause everything he critiques about the show. It's like, what show have you loved? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a few out there. I mean, I know I can be proven wrong, but a lot of these shows that you, you know, you start to love, you didn't first few episodes. It's really hard to like start a show. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's especially something like this. For like sure. I didn't really fall in love with like the CW shows until they started really doing the crossovers, and I watched them all, and I start to love these characters, and I'm invested in the story. Yeah. Now, do am I fully captivated? Some moments, but usually I'm on my phone or I just have it because we have seen all of this before. We have seen these stories. It's very easily predictable. Like. You know, I think some things in season one of Gotham is a little corny. Like, I think they're a little bit on the nose too much with the costuming, yeah. like making his hair look like a penguin or whatever. And of course, Jim Gordon is the guy that never does anything wrong. He has such strong moral, a moral compass that, you know, he literally is just like the good with all the corruptness of Gotham. And yeah, it's completely obvious. But like, you have to come to a point where like, I don't care. It doesn't bother me, you know, so I'll continue to watch yeah. it you know that's what hbo shows are for showtime also, shows you know <laughs> but i will say hbo proved you can have both with their watchman show because it's fucking incredible but totally different and totally, I mean, yeah but i'm saying it doesn't have to be no, no, but, it doesn't have to be totally but different. i think that's the difference between like network tv and something like that i mean that's eight episodes tight super expensive I don't know. Breaking Bad was on network TV. No, it was fucking it was amazing. On, One of the best TV shows ever made. It was on made. Stars or whatever, wasn't it? What was Showtime? No, it was, it was on, it was it was on, on AMC. AMC. Oh, AMC, right. Well, and like The Walking Dead. Right, the well, first few episodes. pretty good things, yeah. Well, I do remember the first episode of Walking Dead was pretty great, actually. The first season of Walking yeah. Dead is great. Yeah. I will stand by season one. It was like, I was really impressed with like the gore they were able to get on tv <laughs> i remember thinking like this is on fucking amc <laughs> i was reading the whole thing about the casting process for that where obviously they were trying to find uh rick and whatever john bernthal's shane whatever uh, john bernthal's character first shane and so they got john bernthal why'd you do it shane because they had him you know going for both so he you know was like i want to be shane they're like all right you know and they cast him and apparently <laughs> it was such a bitch trying to find the guy to play rick and then they found what's his name and they were like yep this is the guy Andrew yeah, Lincoln, apparently which is so funny because the only thing I had process. seen him, I believe that the only thing I had seen him before was fucking love actually. <laughs> so to have like him go from that to like fucking Rick Grimes, like I was That's like, funny. what? But it worked. He, he oh, killed it. He crushed. I don't know who else you could. Get. I mean, he's, he's Rick. Yeah. Before we move on too much, I, it was cool that we brought up Rick and Morty organically. Um, Justin Roiland, who's the co-creator, he voices both Rick and Morty. He has another show now on Hulu. Midnight Gospel. Um, no. It's called Solar Opposites. It's the same vibe. It has the same aesthetic. And it's like very, very funny. It 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 is more aggressive with how ang- it, it, it seems like it really like detests its Wait, audience. That, it's very aggressive. Is that 
the um, one that, what was that, that one that looks exactly like Rick and Morty, but it's like aliens on Earth or something like that? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. it's aliens on yeah. Earth, and it's it's Justin Roiland and Thomas Middleditch right. are like the leads, and um, it's fucking hysterical. If you like Rick and Morty, I think you guys would like this a lot. I was laughing the entire time. It's only eight episodes. They are. It's just as creative. It's just as irreverent. Great. Um, so I don't know. I would check that out if you guys haven't seen. It, if you guys can on Hulu. Yeah, Definitely. I don't have Hulu here, so I got to figure that out. But I didn't realize I was out. Out. And uh, you'll you'll understand what I mean, Brandon, when you when you catch up on Rick and Morty. But I feel like there is this just like this thing that comes with having such a rabid fan base. They're like annoyed. Yeah. You know what I mean? They like they have like lots of pop pot shots at people who are like too into the show almost. Yeah. Um. And it's a very interesting tone. It's a very interesting line to ride because you wouldn't be where you are in your careers, like creatively, without such a fervent supporting fan base. But at the same time, I had totally like you read like news reports about people like, you know, tearing apart a McDonald's because they run out of fucking promotional special sauce or whatever. It's like embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I t- it's, it's it's interesting. I totally get I it. Order enough Szechuan chicken sauce. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking embarrassing yeah. um well it's, it's kind of those things where like the whole show is based on this premise of like nothing matters stop taking it so seriously but i'm gonna take it seriously because i'm a god you know or like i, I earned it you know like i i'm the smartest oh. person in the universe multiverse oh my you know? god you're right first of all you're 100 right and you just reminded me just for one second the best Rick and Morty episode by a wide margin is Rick versus the president. You just reminded me of that. That's my favorite episode. <laughs> hands down. Period. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm not leaving until we get Which a selfie. One? The yeah, selfie exactly. one. The... Just shoot him. Oh, the president. You don't I mean, know what Keith, I am. Keith... I could be a god. <laughs> you don't know what I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite episode. Um, Keith David's fucking amazing. Keith David is so fucking yeah. good. Gargoyles, um, baby. You guys remember Gargoyles? Yeah, oh, yeah. My brother sent me an article yesterday about how Gargoyles got canceled because of OJ. Yeah, apparently me? when gargoyles yeah. <laughs> what do you so mean? apparently when gargoyles premiered they were killing it but it's like you know tv back in the day so it wasn't streaming or anything you have to catch it on tv and it was it was crushing and then the oj trial happened uh. and then because and then because oh, it wasn't so it wasn't like him and his involvement in the show it just like no, people no, no, were just the watching OJ the trial. oj trial yeah 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 so that's interesting i i was definitely one of those kids that crawled up the floor as if it was a wall like a like a vertical surface with my claws because I love because the gargoyles did that, you know, with their mm-hmm. toes and their fingers. Yeah, classic Spider Man move. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, so I do have That's some funny. raging bull questions. Are we jumping? You jump right in? Right in? I'm just, yeah, it's my only question about the movie. Everything else seemed very clear and was just based on him getting punched in the head too many times, which I get. I'm not judging. You know, I was a boxer, I totally get it. <laughs> saw that CTE coming a mile away. But did she bang all of his friends and his brother or not? That's such a good question, Brandon. I'm so glad you answered. You asked that. Um, it's a genuine, I'm, I'm being 100% serious. This is a genuine question. I did not pick up the answer during this movie. I, so I actually, the, the second time watching it while I was taking my notes, I did stop for a second i'm like okay wait a minute did she or didn't she um you you can look up the answer and i guess people analyzed it and said you know no there's no proof or anything in the movie right? that says otherwise and then i did look at it at a lens of like you know because of jake's paranoia obviously she's going to say it to kind of be like if this is if 
because he keeps asking her, right? And she keeps saying no, but he's like insistent. So she's like, yes, I'll just give you the answer that you want. Yeah, I fucked him all. I sucked your brother's dick. You know, it's, um, yeah, you know, it's so she just says it as a defense mechanism to hopefully diffuse the situation. Obviously, it does not go well for, um, his brother or his wife, ex-wife, you know, but, but yeah, no, I, I don't think she did, you know. Well, and that's the only way that him yeah, no. later apologizing makes sense, right? Yeah. To me, it's like very obvious that because it's interesting that you were bringing up like CTE, Brandon, because like to me, the movie is just such like thematically, it's just such like an obvious indictment on masculinity mm-hmm. and it's dealing with violence and sexual inferiority and paranoia and like i never read jake lamada being the way he is as any sort of like external force like from whether it be like boxing trauma or you know there's a little bit of like his environment but he just is such an insecure yeah person that's why he like lashes out with violence. He's always trying to like, oh, do you think she'll fuck me? Like, I gotta fuck. Like, oh, who are you fucking? Like, there's that scene where like it's, it's like very sensual between them, and she's like kissing his stomach, but he's like, no, like I can't. Like, I gotta just like, Rah! like so much of it is this weird like internalized inferiority complex that like I totally never read it as her like actually being unfaithful. And, like, nobody really, like, betrayed him at all. It's just all in his head, and it's what's causing him to, like... That's why he's so violent. That's why he's so aggressive. That's why he, he like... And he is able to channel that for a long time into being a successful boxer, into being a successful athlete. But, um, yeah, no, I didn't read that she was unfaithful at all. Like, I think that would totally dismantle that, the themes of the film. Yeah, and, like, I totally agree with you guys. I just kept waiting for some... For it to come up again. You know what I mean? For just for like a one liner for idiots like me, where she like he's like, oh, I'm sorry that I believed you, or her, you I'm sorry I said that, or just something. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. I was waiting for. Just for well, idiots I think, like me who are gonna be like, wait, well, hold on a second, what happened? Well, the thing that like, <laughs> if you remember before that though, the thing that made me question it was is asking his brother and his brother dodging the question. Right? Joey's like, why would you ask me that? Like, I'm not gonna answer that. You know, him refusing to answer was kind of a tell for me at the moment saying, oh, maybe did he maybe is he not going to try and get into this because. But if but if the film is from his perspective, his being Jake's, then like I think Scorsese and De Niro and Paul Schrader, the screenwriter, want you to be thinking that like they want you to question as he questions it. But I think that's a totally normal like if you go into Joe Pesci's perspective, who like side note is like fantastic so in this say, movie. 100%. <laughs> one of my favorite Joe Pesci performances I've seen, and that's on me for not having seen this before. So. Yeah, I totally get it's It's weird because people are like, especially after The Irishman came out, um, people are like, he's actually like really good. But like you go through his track yeah. record and he's like got like lots of really like fucking amazing performances. Yeah. Like there's like home alone and my shit, cousin you know Vinny. I mean? which he's, it's a different kind of movie and he's, and he's good. But yeah, like my cousin Vinny's fucking hysterical. This movie, he's very, very he's good. good. Um, so I just think it's interesting. You know what I mean? And like, obviously like it's De Niro and he's De Niro, but I was like, Joe Pesci's like, you're, he's like holding his own against like somebody just because he's not somebody that comes up in the conversation as much as guys like the Nero Pacino, yeah. whoever. 
Um, but he was, I was like, the, the scenes with those two together are like yeah. the best in the movie, in my opinion. You, like the boxing scenes are like technically very incredible to watch. But like in terms of like story and characters, it's like the Pesci. Well, it's like it's like, like them in the, really ki- in the kitchen, like with the kids and the wives and stuff. And like, yeah, De Niro's getting mad at him for making a decision of fighting this new right. guy, you know, because he's his manager. But that, you know, Pesci like holds his own. He's sitting there going, yeah, it's a win win. Let me explain it to you. You know, yeah. Yeah, you fucking schmuck. Yeah, like you. I don't know. I can't do it. But yeah, um, I did want to say. So you were uh, you mentioned the CTE thing earlier. So it's not, first of all, just to be clear, this movie definitely, when made, when written, when shot, has nothing to do with CTE. That's not even a thought. That's on nobody's radar. It's not a real thing at that point. It's just interesting now, right? Because I agree with you. It's all about his craziness, his masculinity, him losing his goddamn mind based on his own issues. But you see those issues continually get magnified, which just me watching that now, being aware of brain trauma and ct and all that you're like oh i can just see it getting worse and it just i don't know for me it just added an extra lens onto this movie yeah that was very interesting of like oh you're going to get worse while you're getting punched in the head more like this is going to get worse yeah. until you're done and then hopefully it stops getting worse but it might not um no that is like a really interesting layer to put onto it like from a contemporary i mean this movie's that's, 40 that's years saying. old so i i'm well aware of that in no yeah. In no way was any of this thought about in the process of making the movie. Like, that's, that's not what it's about. And I totally get that. It's just interesting yeah. now knowing what we know to be like, that's why some men were like that at the time. And yeah. progressively getting worse throughout their life. Yeah. No, it's interesting yeah. for sure. I mean, I think that um, that's definitely like something to be said for that. I think the impetus and the core of Lamada's issues were like internal and natural mm. to him. But the getting fucking punched in the face for a living definitely didn't help anything. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> I can totally see how that would exacerbate the issues that were already innately. And also, like, acting-wise and character-wise, I don't think it would matter anyway. Like, if you're playing... I don't think you're playing yeah, with no. somebody with CTE that you're gonna... Like, you're still playing the, You're still playing what you feel. Well, you know yeah. I mean? So I don't, it, I don't think it would, it would matter anyway. It wouldn't change the performance or anything. It's just interesting thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, performance-wise. I mean, like, story-wise, it, I think, shifts the the ultimate like thesis on kind of like if you're like kind of shifting the identity of the right, issue yeah, yeah, yeah. then it changes what the movie says but yeah like performance wise i don't see that would like cause no you're right though very it just, much it gives Jake Ramada an out it's like oh maybe he's not being yeah. an asshole maybe he's got brain damage yeah but you can <laughs> which, but there's which is many interesting i was gonna say but there's many many uh football players and many uh people who've gone through the same kind of years of exposure to you know physical hits and things like that that aren't you know Aaron so, Hernandez killed like three people yeah that's a special case yes and and allegedly but what i'm saying is that you know it definitely I grew doesn't up a Patriots fan i have to what was that i was just saying i grew up a pats fan so i have to like but i don't and now are you a, are you a tampa Bay fan now that brady's uh, with the Buccaneers, dude, I don't give a shit about football. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I've been. I don't think I've been to one football game, and it was a Giants. Uh, I want to say, does DC have a football team? The Redskins. Yeah, I might have been a Giants Redskins game. I've been to exactly one football game in my entire life, and I it was like because my friends wanted to go. I right. didn't care. So, um, but what I'm uh, so. 
I want to bring up like the the Italian culture though. The okay. I feel like also with bada boom bada bing baby. It's like and I just got got Madonna. You know, Madonna. <laughs> it was odd that we never see his wife and kid again, right? Like the original. Not really. Life. I think it works for the character. I think it was like fuck you know like that. It's just like he's like a voracious yeah. like. I'm going to take what I want and I'm going to take it too much and then I'm going to move on. Like he did that with like women. He did that with food. He did that with drink. He did that with like the belt, like the, the, the fighting. Well, yeah, no, it, I mean, um, so it made Vicky, sense to me. Like definitely like bad move on him. Like it painted a very like clear picture of who that character was right away for sure. <laughs> well, you have to know that like, I mean, he was a married man when uh, um, he started dating or, you know, flirting with uh, Vicky, you know, she was 15 years old. You know, he was, I think in the Which, time period, he was so, 21, technically. You know? And that's what I wanted to say, actually, really quickly, because when they started talking about how she was 15, I was like, I know it was the 80s, but like, what the yeah. fuck? Because De Niro and Pesci are clearly 30, 40 year old men, but they're playing these characters that are like, well, okay, she's also 21, not 15, right? <laughs> well, no, but she definitely is. She definitely looks like way younger than them still. Yes. Sure, like you know, but I, but it's. I'm saying like, it's the same issue I had with the Irishman. Like these these people who are like over sixty years old are not in their fucking thirties. Like you just, it's just you can't. There's no amount of makeup. So I didn't realize that they were supposed to be young. Also, not that I'm saying twenty one and fifteen is like great because it's not. It might have been different in the 80s. I don't fucking know. But it was technically know, based in the 40s. So you have to think of it more of as the 40s. It was made in the 80s. Yeah, no, that's true. And maybe maybe in the fucking 40s, everybody was having sex Here's with teenagers. The, the, I don't know. He later gets arrested for, like, letting girls into his bar who are 14. And he totally, totally nothing happens when he's banging a 15-year-old at the beginning of the movie. How does that make sense? I think it's I think it's supposed to be like everything's catching up to him. You know what uh, I mean? Okay. Like, All right. Yeah, that's fair. That's a yeah. really good thematic point. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> but but also I agree. Like before, I realized that they were also supposed to be young guys, like twenty twenty one. I was like, I like, am I fucking losing my mind? <laughs> it was just such like a because like Joe Pesci's like, yeah, she's like fifteen. Where's she gonna go? And then he's like, you tried the fucker. He's like, yeah, I tried the fucker. You know, and it's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, that was weird. It's but it it is. It's like I don't know. It's the forties. It's New York. Like I, I I understand that there aren't as rigid kind of uh, lines to not be crossed as as there as there are now. But it, it bring took me, me out back of it for a to like that's all the, uh, the thematics of Raging Bull and like the story arc, right? So you know, I don't think Vicky would have been an option if it wasn't for the other guys hanging out with her. Like I feel like Jake had this complex of like. Oh, are people hanging out with her? Are people going on dates with her? Like, I have to have her. I have to win her. You know, and I think that can map through the movie well, of yeah. he sees a goal in mind and he's, he sees it objectively, right? He's like, you know, who knows how much he loves her. He loves boxing, obviously, more because he has to be told by his brother, hey, you know, take her out. Show her some love. You know, it's, you know, you got to fix. It's not, she's not just going to happen, right? So I feel like his involvement with get or his reasoning for getting involved with Vicky has to do more with, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's gorgeous and she's pretty and she's a catch for sure. But because she's also hanging out with, um, Sal Salvador, uh, whoever the, not Tommy, Tommy's the older guy, but yeah, Salvi, you know? And so, um, yeah. that to him is like, no, I'm going to beat him. 
in another way, you know? It's, I would say it's equal parts of that, and I think, uh, but I, I think her age is important. I think it's like, you know, because he's so insecure yeah. about his, mm-hmm. his like manhood that like, because she's so young and like mostly he's like, did you fuck her? And he's like, no. So he's like, okay, she's probably a virgin. Like, I'm the guy, I yeah. can, you know, I don't have to worry about. Yeah, competition, I would say, is, like, a huge part of it, for sure. You're well, right, and Josh. then it's that thing where, like, when he first gets with her at the beginning of the movie, I and mean, this is, you know, a ma- major part of the arc, he's he's with her, and he's a boxer, and he's on the up, and obviously who he is and his, you know, insecurities are all tied into boxing, and as that keeps going, you see him get crazier and crazier as it doesn't work. You know, as he's worried about losing her more and more as he's losing who he is himself as a boxer because he's only tied to that. So as that starts to get shittier, he starts to lose her and freak out and it just rolls and rolls and rolls. And it's, yeah, just a crazy mess. But I think what's what's interesting is that he was, honestly, if you look at it, he wasn't going to lose her. Like she was faithful. She was his wife. She was doing her, you know, she was faithful to him, you know, and. Back in the day, obviously, you know, women were seen as housewives or whatever. Like that moment in the kitchen where Joe Pesci's character is like, what do you know? Stop asking questions. You know, take the kid. Go in the other room. Let us talk business. You know, that kind of made me feel disgusting because that culture was so prevalent. I'm just like, oh, God, I'm so sorry, ladies. Like, I just forgive you. Forgive us. I'm going to apologize for the mail. Four women listening to this. Like, we're sorry. Um, But it's it's kind of Um, this. You know, she was faithful to him. He didn't, she had no harm, no foul. Even at the club when they went out that night, she no, just said hi just, to friends. Yeah. And yet he's like, drink, like, who were you talking to? What was that about? What? And she's like, I, nothing. I was just, you know, saying hi. It's yeah, over possessive. He's, he's, he's self-destructive. Beha- it's self-destructive behavior. Like he can't fathom because he has so little trust in anyone else. He can't like imagine people like be- being tr- like saying what they mean and being true to their word and like being faithful his own brother he like he like beats the shit out of him yeah. you know what i mean because of shit he made up in his head it's it's exactly. insane it's a very in my opinion well done portrayal of that mindset like de niro did a really good job and the film and the cinematography too, definitely to like the cinematography was beautiful and and actually if we can segue from that i wanted to talk about the boxing scenes um so please I, that, yeah i grew up boxing for the, for the audience who doesn't know, I grew up boxing. I love boxing movies, obviously. All kinds of fight movies. I've seen all of them. I'd never seen Raging Bull before. So watching it, I, I, was, t- I was saying this to Josh earlier before we started the podcast. I wish I'd seen it as a kid because I would have had a very different perspective on specifically the boxing fighting scenes, right? Forgetting about the timing of it and when they were made, I was watching yesterday being like, well, I just watched Creed 2 the other day and this doesn't really hold up. But then, when you put it in the perspective of uh, it's along the same time as, you know, Rocky and shit, you're like, this is amazingly well done. So, it's just perspective with the, the fighting yeah. in the rings. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up Rocky because I feel like this film is such an antithesis yeah. to that movie. Like, in terms of tone, it's, it almost doesn't feel like a... It, I, I, I wouldn't call Raging Bull a no, boxing movie. No, either would I. I would call it a, a drama about a... Like a like a psychosexual drama about a boxer. Sure. I would do that. Yeah. Somebody who happens to be a boxer. That being said, the fight scenes are like superbly well choreographed. I love the way that the camera's in the ring. I love the fight choreography. I love the technical aspects of it. They're all great. You even love the slow mo, the slow mo spitting out of the the saliva spitting out, the blood spurting out of the eyebrow. Like that was all. I I loved it. I giggled. Yeah. You know? 
But here's the choice that I loved with that. They didn't use the fight scenes like in every other fight movie I've ever watched to stir up more drama or make those the the main parts of the movie. You know, that that's what everything is hit. You know, those are all your critical points. In this, it was the in-betweens and showed the changes of him from one point in life to another. The fights were were moments that were showing changes. Which is why there was never time, never any real times in a fight where you were like, oh my god, is he going to win? Is he going to lose? Is, you know, it was very blatant. He's either coming out and beating the shit out of the guy or he's out there getting the shit kicked out of him. It's or like, he's oh, going to be wrongly accused of win, like, or he's not going to win because of a technicality. You know what I mean? Like, right, but we like we know that going into it. Like, we know he's going to throw the fight. You know what I mean? So it's like these moments of what's happening in the ring reflecting what's happening in his life. And not using those fights as these giant, yeah. uh, uh, you know, battles and drama points. Where, like, you watch whatever rocky or creed or whatever the last fight's 20 minutes you know what i mean and it's what you want to see and that's the main part of the movie and that's yeah yeah the the fight the fight scenes in in raging bull took up i think like less than 10 minutes 15 minutes maximum which is insane um and i agree and in those other movies brandon i agree with you that like the scenes that are not in the boxing ring are very utilitarian it's like we got to just get to the next fight, and that's what people want to see. But it's the opposite here, where it's like exactly what you were saying. What we're, the fight scenes we're watching are a reflection of what's been going on with his character and his life right. outside, which is the meat of the story. And in my opinion, thematically, it's more interesting because it's the character stuff. But like Scorsese was like, "But we got to make the boxing look <laughs> cool," right? Maybe. And he and they did. I I love the biggest thing to me. I, I think, Josh, there are a couple times. So because they filmed it in black and white and they wanted very high contrast for the fake blood. I don't know if you guys read this. They used Hershey's like chocolate syrup. Oh, oh really? No, I did not read this. No. Um, and there's a couple scenes where like in close up, it like looks like fake for the record, shit. For the record, but- <laughs> that, I mean, the fake blood that we used on Birdsong was made out of Hershey's. Yeah, yeah. chocolate syrup too. So that's like a real thing. We do do that. Oh, because it's the consistency. No, no, no. I, the I mean, consistency like, of blood, but yeah, consistency and like the colored contrast. But um, that being said, overall, the choice to have the camera in the ring and not like over the I don't know what you call them the, the ropes, the lines, the the ropes. Um, that was like very new, and that hadn't really oh, been sure. done before in cinema. Um, and it's kind of like, it's like very fluid. Every shot is like framed perfectly. But my favorite aspect of it is the sound design. It, there's like these like growl, like these animalistic raw, like rumbles yeah. and growling. And it just really like informs his mindset and his attitude and his character. And I think that all of that was really, really well done. It was well, very and I would love it's 40 fucking years old. Yeah. Dude. That's insane. Well, and even with like, <laughs> it's, it's the, it's the steam coming off the ring, you know, it's the, you know, it's this world and they have the audience, but it's like, it's usually if they're on the, if they're in the ring, it's, you know, black in the background. And then you got those spotlights, right? I loved seeing the different, like almost, um, yeah. arena lights on. Um, I would love to mm-hmm. just real quick talk about the juxtaposition of the color, the, the montage of his fights and the color mm-hmm. of like good things happening. And I love the, what, uh, Scorsese did with, the only bit of color was, you know, him getting married, his brother getting married. You know, it's this raising this happy time in Jake's life mixed with the still shots. Some still shots. I think they started moving a little bit towards the end of black and white in the boxing ring, like him right. winning fight after fight after fight. And this kind of builds 
to then to be broken down the rest of the movie. So I just I thought that was a really cool, interesting way to to use color in movie because when it was black and white, I'm mm-hmm. like, there's always that moment of wait, this came out in 1980. There was there was definitely color right yeah <laughs> for us youngins but you know but uh, it was a choice it was a choice for him for the period to to bring out the period of it all you know it's a very a very deliberate choice i think to reflect the time period that the story takes place in but then also i think to choose to have that specific moment in color to kind of um illustrate this sort of falseness in those happy moments, like compared to the rest of his life. You know what I mean? Like having, like looking through like that little happy montage, like through rose colored glasses. Sure. Yeah. While still knowing that like this guy, he's I mean, the movie's called raging bull. He's a fucking animal. He's a beast. And it's like, you're just waiting for all that shit to like come out. And like the black and white scenes, which is the majority of the movie. It's like, this is the real man that we're watching, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What did you, um, sorry, go ahead, Brandon. I'm just trying to, I was going to say it was, uh, it was intense. Um, obviously, as I'm sure you guys know, during the filming, they had to take whatever a month off, six weeks off. So we could put on all that weight. It took four (laughs) months for him to gain 60 pounds. That's I read. Cause I I looked it up. I was like, cause it almost looked like a four months months to gain 60 pounds. I gained 60 pounds in 60 days. Easy. No problem. Well, Not a problem. <laughs> um, well, but he was like, he was like in peak physical condition before. Yeah. You know I mean? He had to like, he had to like, not only stop exercising and to lose all that muscle mass. He had to fucking, he said he was drinking milkshakes, dude. dude <laughs> like, know, just like he's, melting them down and fucking chugging them. very cut down. Like, I don't know how tall. Uh, he's five ten. He is in, okay. So they I, were like the same all of, size. All so of these, all of these things, I looked up because there were moments with Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. I'm like, how much taller is? Like, are they trying to how make Robert De Niro drop five four? Really? He's like five four, five five. That yeah. So like the moment when it's raining and they're yeah. in like the the indoor pool or whatever. Because I'm like thinking, going, Robert De Niro can't be that much taller than Joe Pesci, but he. It's a few inch. It's definitely four or five inches between the two. Well, um, also they might have shot. It's shot like the difference off. between it's the difference between between Brandon and I. It's like the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe give her like give her you know give her take an inch, but it's yeah it's and like so you see us standing next to each other and it's like it's not that yeah. bad. But then like when you have like the camera with the forced perspective, you can frame yeah, your shit. You know what yeah, I mean? Who knows how I, I like also that, right? I also feel like they deli- they very deliberately. Uh, framed it in ways that like De Niro, like Jake would physically yeah, impose yes, himself definitely. over other, other totally. characters. But yeah. Gaining weight then. like that, like that's something that I almost thought it was a different actor. Cause they have a, they, they sandwiched the movie, right. With Jake present right. day, Jake or whatever doing the monologue, which I thought those monologues were actually awesome to watch. Recite reciting Brando's speech from on the waterfront, which like thematically, is like so Dude. many layers. I think it's such an interesting way to to open that movie. I didn't recognize. No, I thought it was first. a different actor. To be honest, I was like, wh- I was like, what? Also, also, let's talk about that for a minute, okay? Just from an acting perspective, you have De Niro at the end of the movie reciting Brando's speech from On the Waterfront. I'm sure a speech that De Niro had done plenty of times for real and murdered it. And then you have to do it as Jake Lamotta, not. Do it get great? Like, oh, I love the layers of it. I love it. That's great. That has to be one of the most yeah. fun moments 
to work on. But also the fact that it's Brando's yeah, speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as like a fat, overweight, like has been. You know, it's it's just like very it's interesting it's and very bold. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on under the hood of this yeah. film. Um, for well, like sure. pairing the like entertainment, right? Like that's entertainment. Like what is acting? What is entertainment? What is performance? What's just an MC like at a club that you're just trying to like figure out what a sexy girl sounds like on a microphone to an actor like in a movie and stuff like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, it was interesting because I had just watched Godfather two on Sunday, and De Niro uh-huh. looks I identical like just like body you know body wise and all that but it's just such two different performances it's amazing you know yeah when he's identical to how he looks yeah, here in like, raging like, bull it, it can only okay. be like a few years apart but like he's that small at the beginning in uh godfather uh i i feel yeah because this came out in 80 i feel like part two 82 right, or 84 so it can't be that far like apart. actually so he must have lost the weight yeah. again after this but he, like, yeah. <laughs> did, but he looks like, you know, he's, he's that small. He's that like cut it. Like he's, you know, it's a small guy, but he looks the exact same, but the performances are just the complete opposite. Obviously it's Don Corleone. Yeah. You know, very measured, very cold, very, not very talkative. And then this, you're a fucking bull. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. I mean, it's, I think, I think the big thing with, I mean, De Niro, the ability to do such incredible, you have like raging bull and then you have godfather part two and then you have bad grandpa these like insane <laughs> <laughs> like disparate but but equally powerful performances you know what i mean yeah <laughs> i did enjoy that movie <laughs> which one bad grandpa yeah it's funny it's good Fun. yeah um but with the the weight gain right like it's it's slightly unhealthy with um with gaining like you took the four months to gain the 60 pounds but like you know, nowadays people just put a fat suit on you, you know, or like they have the prosthetics and the makeup to look. Not if you're Christian Bale. No, that's true. <laughs> I guess there are still some actors some out there. Some people are still doing it. You it know? also depends, right? Because you can put a fat yeah, it suit depends on, on what but you can't put a. Well, there's a difference between like, like fat Thor and um, the DC. Uh, what's his face? Um, then uh, the Fox, the bombshell. The guy who played, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my god, the, the guy from oh, Third Show. Rock, uh, what? Yeah, Heaven's Son. Uh, um, oh my god, I'm blanking. Wow, we're terrible. I know, I'm the worst. Wait, the, what? Who? The, and what the, are we talking? I'm talking the about the Third Rock from the Sun. He's awesome. I'm blanking on his name right now. Joseph Gordon no. Levitt, the, the main guy, the main guy. Wait, what about? Bomb no, I'm talking Show? about like Bomb? makeup, prosthetics, right? So you have you have yeah, but like Thor. who? Are you talking about John Lithgow? Yes. So. The, okay, sorry. I yeah, thank you. No, <laughs> I, I'm so lost. We were blanking. We're but about. my comparison is gaining weight. Did he gain mad weight for Bombshell? No, it was all makeup, prosthetics. That's what I was saying about like the difference between Fat Thor, where it's obviously this like super like fake belly, to um to Bombshell, which was which won an Academy Award for makeup, hair and makeup, um to then actually gaining the weight. So it's like the different looks, right? So nowadays you can actually have a very good prosthetic that makes you gain all that weight. Or you can spend four months eating milkshakes or drinking milkshakes and <laughs> be it. Um, I don't want to get, I don't want to go on like a too long of a tangent, but do you guys know my favorite Hollywood weight gain story of all time is definitely, do you guys know about Ryan Gosling and the lovely bounce? Yeah. No, he got fired because he showed up 60 pounds overweight. Um, 
Yeah. So, do, have you ever with it. have you ever seen the Lovely Bones, John? No, it's not a very good film. Um, but basically, it's Peter Jackson uh, made this movie, and Ryan Gosling was cast as like the father of Sir Ronan's character who like goes missing. And <laughs> Ryan Gosling, exactly what Brandon said, he made the choice. He read the script. And he was like, "Oh, this guy like probably looks really terrible. He's like really sad, fat, and overweight." So he showed up the first day of shooting having gained sixty pounds. <laughs> And Peter Jackson is like, "What? You look fucking awful." And he goes like, "Yeah, I know. Isn't it awesome?" And he's like, "No, no." Oh, no. So we hired you, and then like, Gosling. yeah, <laughs> um, uh, and then like, you know, bas- there's different accounts of like what happened. Ba- Ryan Gosling says basically, Peter Jackson was like, "You can either like start hitting the treadmill right fucking now, or like you got to go." And he was like, "Yeah, I, 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 I mean." I can't lose 60 pounds in like a week, you know? Yeah. Um, but then he, but he always goes in the, in the video that I've seen, he goes like, and then I was fat and unemployed and yeah. it sucked. <laughs> um, but he's clearly, he's, he's well, clearly yeah, he's called Marky Mark. Uh, yeah. Which, and there. you know, the he's, <laughs> um, so, but anyway, that's my favorite yeah. Hollywood waking story. Other than, I mean, the best one's got to be Mac from It's Always Sunny, like Rob McElhenney deciding he's going to get obese for the character just for fun, and then gets. I, I mean, puts on yeah, that's a different. That's kind of a different thing for the season or some shit, and then the, comes back the next season absolutely ripped up. Well, that happens when you have money yeah. and you can have a nutritionist and like a a, a coach, you know. Like so for me, it, it's you. You got to see his post about it. He's the funniest about it ever. He's like, oh, he sure. posts, like he's saying exactly that, being like, yeah, it's super easy when you have Disney paying for everything, and you know, it's yeah, no, that I mean, that's the thing yeah. about people him getting and, uh, jealous about like Hugh Jackman or like Chris Hemsworth or people like just getting fucking ripped and being superhero bodies when it's like, dude, when you have two months with a nutritionist and with a, a gym trainer, like, and you don't have to worry about going to yeah. work or not having a routine or like getting caught with something, then yeah, of course, fuck. You know, I really, yeah. I really liked um, Kumail Nanjiani's posts about it. I don't know if you guys read yeah. those. Mm-mm. Yeah, because he got like he got like caught up for the Marvel shit that he's doing. He looks yeah. great, and he and he posted his like vanity pics. He was like, "Yeah, I'm like shredded now," which I would do like totally. But then he was like, "To be clear, this is." a very specific workout routine. I have like a very specific diet. Everything's provided for me by the Disney Mark people. Like do not like, this is not normal. This is not something that people should like worry about not being able to achieve. It's all like very complex. I'm airbrushed to shit. Like yeah. he was very yeah, honest well, you, about you know, everything. Uh, and I, in that article, it, in the interview, he went on to talk about his own like body dysmorphia given all this. And as he started mm-hmm. to gain muscle and gain weight and watch the scale go up, started freaking out and having crazy anxiety because obviously in that position you're trying to go for a certain look and reading that uh, during that exact time i was going through my own pretty significant shit with that type of stuff so it was really nice to see that and be like okay all right this all makes perfect sense i'm feeling the exact same way because i was like 100 fucking 30 pounds or whatever look you know whatever like i'm 160 pounds right now and i look the same yeah which is fucked up (laughs) You were very yeah. like you were like insanely underweight. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, but I want to say play. no. Like I mean, I totally. I'm not criticizing you. It's just like it had nothing to do with that. 
so yeah. we there was like a moment i feel like whatever i'm just glad that you're all right now that's all I'm fine I there was like a moment there was a moment we were all there was a moment we were all going to the movies one night and it was just like really windy and i was like brandon might yeah. blow away <laughs> i'm like should we like tether him to but you look oh, good thanks, now buddy you look you look sexy now baby. i was just miscalculating you know, it's how my own body is more. Yeah, of course. Like, well, you kind of go to the extreme, yeah. and then you kind of no, I'm not find your way back. You like, know, I, I um, no, I'm just saying, like, you kind of go to the extreme, and then you kind of find yeah. your way back because you know it's for me. Like a lot of the time, especially in quarantine now, it's like I'm getting used to just kind of relaxing and just you know, I people who don't know this, I worked, you know, I work at a gay sports bar in New York City. Yeah. One of the my first three years working at a bar was shirtless bartenders, where they only hired people who were you know, muscular, thin toned, whatever. Um, and I did bartend for a little bit there because I needed somebody and the, the regulars loved it because I wasn't the normal type. You know, I have a little bit softness around my midsection, but then I was told I couldn't bartend, you know, because of my, my look and yeah, yeah. The manager came, brought me in. I've been working there for two and a half years. They're like, Hey, listen, we can't have you behind the bar anymore. I'm sorry. I was like, yeah, no, I get it. You know, because I know the, the owners I knew, how they ran the bar. I'm like, yeah, I was working on borrowed time anyway. That really messed me up. So now for me, it's like, I always suck in my gut and um, yeah, it's been a big thing. This like over quarantine of just relaxing, just like being myself and knowing that if I, if I did work out, cause I was a football player, you know, a thrower in track and field, you know, like I, I, I can do the workouts and my body can change very drastically, but I've never had the, the need to like, take supplements or do things that'll like super like what Caleb was saying, um, change my body to like an yeah. unnatural kind of tone. Like I'm always going to have this natural Midwest kind of corn fed build. Um, well, and so it's like, like, it takes a lot like, to get used to that. You know, you have a big frame too. Like you're what? Six, three. How tall are you? Six, four, like six you, foot. I'm just six yeah. foot. Wait, but you're, you're, you know what I mean? Like if you did, if you started doing steroids, you're going to explode. Like you're going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. You get like, and I, lock. That's not what you want. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's it's all about, you know, body image and like being comfortable with yourself and like yeah. out there, you know, that's a big thing in the gay community and males, females, like everybody sees these pictures of like, oh man, how how cool would I look if I was like that? But then how happy are you, you know? And so well, that's and, and um like wants... if you're a boxer What's that? Sorry, just I was gonna say like everybody wants something different from you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like as an actor, like you have to be flexible with I guess everything, but, you know, first and foremost, be your, you know, authentic self and your body type and just go for those. Like, I'm never going to go into the same for the same characters as you, Brandon, in terms of athletic, like, you know, you're more of a boxer. I would I could play a boxer. Just I would be heavyweight. Right. Or I would be like a different. I'd be like fucking, you know, know, but I (laughs) feel that like being a boxer and like Jake LaMotta and stuff like that, bringing it back to the movie is that you do get a natural toneness, a natural cutness to mm-hmm. your body just because you're you're working out every day. You're you're in the gym, you're in the ring, you're just yeah. you're burning all these calories. Like you naturally lose that weight and build. Like when I was, you know, when I first moved to the city, I lost 35 pounds and I was the skinniest I've ever been since high school because I ended up not having home cooked meals. I was eating bodega food and I was bar backing at at boxers going up and down stairs for eight hours, eight to twelve hours a day for five days a week. And so naturally I lost that weight in New York anyway. And you're you walking know, like, everywhere. You yeah. know, it's so, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm very happy right now with how I am. I'm very comfortable. So you're know, not to say I don't want to keep exercising and be healthy, but 
there's a difference. I'm no, just I mean, going to say. You guys, you, go, you guys are both gorgeous, all right? Don't let anyone <laughs> oh, tell you thanks, guys. Oh, thanks, Caleb. You guys Appreciate are both beautiful. It. No, it's, it's interesting, though, because it's, you know, uh, it's all about, you know, types and that type of shit. And then just kind of realized at one point that, like, yes, it is about types, but also those types are going to change based on you. You know, you got to yeah. stick with your own self or whatever that is. So just be true to yourself. Be the best <laughs> you you can be. All right. Well, Thanks, Jiminy like, Cricket. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the whole uh, interview with Robert Pattinson. Where he was talking about working out for Batman. And they were like, are you like staying in shape? No. He's like, no, I haven't done anything. I refuse. And everybody's like, what do you mean? He's like, no, I think it's. And this is like it's his own personal perspective. I don't I don't know that I necessarily agree with the role like that, a character like that. Um, only because what would Batman be doing? <laughs> working out every day for sure. Like, I've read enough Batman comics to know that yeah. that's part of it. He's not superpowered. Do you mean... Sorry, just... I don't want to interrupt you, but just, like, you're saying that, like, in... While it's sorry. on hold, yes. he's not maintaining. Yes. He's not so, working out. So there was an article that came out with him. He did his own photos for, like, GQ this week or whatever, and they did a, a tall interview. And I'm incredibly stoked for him to be playing Batman. I think he's going to be amazing. Um, I guess he had worked out a bunch before, which is totally fair. You just got to do, you know, do batman stuff but then with the quarantine he put out a thing being like no i'm not doing anything like i'm not working out my uh, personal trainer keeps calling me and he's like no we're in quarantine and i think that's part of the problem right now is for people like me to be you know working out and being focused on that as opposed to just you know living life and, and he goes on to talk about how i'm like actors didn't used to be like this james dean didn't have a six-pack he just acted which is a, i yeah. understand that but at the same time it's like a it's it's like anything else. People get better and better and get more and more dedicated to what they're doing. You know? Like, hockey players didn't used to be super crazy jacked and, like, they used to smoke cigarettes between the periods. You know what I mean? But everybody <laughs> got better, so competition gets stronger. We gotta bring tobacco back to yeah, hockey. Hey, it cures corona- <laughs> It helps you against coronavirus, so that's what I've been told. That's- <laughs> here's the thing, though. It's like, if you're the guy and you're in that position, you kind of get to do whatever you want. Like, he's Batman right now, so he gets to make that call. Sure, but like, where is? I would be interested. I don't know. I think like having skinny legend Batman would be interesting because here's the thing with like, I know it's Batman. I know it's a superhero movie, so we're not supposed to put too much thought into it. But like, you see these guys who have played Bruce Wayne that are all like jacked as shit, and like I know they're wearing like suits and shit, but you can like totally tell. And I feel like having a more leaner, like less obvious. Who's the only person who could afford to do this shit? Oh, it's Bruce Wayne and he's jacked as shit. Like, if he was just, like, a kind of, like, reserved, like, gaunt, like... I don't know. It could no, be interesting record, to see him more... That is a very big thing in the comics that comes up all the time, that his suits are per- are purposefully tailored to, like, be bigger on him and things like that, so he doesn't look super... Like, that's a whole... Obviously, over 90 years of comics, like, they've touched on this type of thing, but that's a whole thing. You sure, know, sure, all sure, his suits sure, are supposed sure. to be tailored to make them look baggy <laughs> and shit on him so nobody can tell that he's jacked and, like, all this shit. <laughs> I just love... It's like, you know, watching Christian Bale, like, be... Bruce Wayne, it's like you're so obviously Batman. <laughs> you know? Right. You're such you know? A badass. Why are you like uh but it, I don't know. So but I, I hear what you're saying for sure. It's it's interesting. I don't know what no, I would it was do just, in that it was position. almost it was more interesting to that he put it out there. You know? Yeah. He didn't have to say anything about it either way. He's not a big guy, like right, he's never yeah. been overweight, so unless he has his shirt off, you're not gonna know anyway. He didn't have to say anything about it. So it was it was an, it's just an interesting thing to put out there. Because he's not wrong. But I'm g- no, I mean, if you, it's, this is a, quarantine is a time, like, for 
taking care of yourself because everyone's going through this me- these mental gymnastics, you know, of like, you know, depression and anxiety and things like that. But I guess in terms of, I guess I would like to know that if, if when filming starts jumping back in again or whatever, like he obviously will go back to the gym and once he goes back to work, he'll go back to work. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, I now would be different if like the director's like, Hey, make sure you don't, you know, yeah. gain 50 pounds because that's going to be harder to work off and get back into filming. But you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he'll like, yeah, because of what his natural body's always right. been. I don't think that that's going to be an issue. I think like yeah. just like lack of muscle yeah, definition and, and probably. Was, is and what's he did say like he, you know, is eating right and he's sticking to his diet and all that. He's just not lifting and stuff. Which, uh, whatever, you know, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I can see if that wasn't a part of his routine already, he's not going to jump at the chance to go back yeah, into it. Yeah, it's like, I mean? and again, like you said, like it, he's always kind of looked the same. You know, he looks. Yeah, uh, it's just he does what he does. I think he's gonna be a yeah, good like Batman, from, man. I'm excited for it. I'm I think it'd be great. Excited. Unlike it's so interesting. I'm I'm excited for it. It's got a good cast mm-hmm. for sure, and Matt Reeves is like very visually like an interesting director. I, so. I think I'm most excited to see Paul Dano as the Riddler. I think that's going to be really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, he's very underrated actor. I think he's underutilized. Everything that I've seen him in, he's done at least oh, a yeah. good job, if not a great job. Speaking of doing a good job in movies, uh, Robert De Niro, I felt. Um, yeah, remember Raging what? Bull? <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, Any so actually, yeah. Go ahead. Um, no, sorry, Josh, but we've like spent a lot of time talking about the movie and how great it is and all the good parts of it. If you guys have more to say, like, I, I do want to hear it, but I also want to talk about, like, there were some things that I think were like not so yeah. effective for me. Sure, please. Um, so overall, and this is also an, an opinion that was informed by kind of doing more research into the character and the backstory of production and everything. So there was some guy wrote the first treatment of the script and then he didn't work on it anymore. And they hired Paul Schrader and who is credited on the film as the screenwriter to do like a rewrite. And the basis of the film that we saw is based off of his draft, which if you can believe it made Lamada even more unlikable Mm. and like was even more horrible (laughs) than he is on screen. De Niro and Scorsese did an uncredited rewrite, or maybe they are, maybe they are, I don't think they're credited though, um, where they worked on making him more of a likable character. Um, because they, you know, with the Bible verse at the end and everything, they wanted to kind of give him a sort of like the ending to be sort of redemptive, which I agree with Paul Schrader's take when he was asked about it, saying, when he said that like, it's fine to tackle the character in that way, but I don't think they reached that conclusion in the text of the film. I don't think Lamada earned any sort of redemption based on anything. Like, it's one thing to, like, feel bad and to recognize you fucked up, but, like, we don't see him, like, make amends to anybody. We don't see him change his behavior. We don't see right. his his goals really change at all, especially at the end with the, like, ah, shadow box, and, like, I'm the boss. Like... I, I think, like, we got... We didn't get the rise, which was interesting, because we started pretty yeah. much in the middle of his career... Um, we got like pretty much straight downfall. And I think that's interesting, but I, I, I do agree that I don't think that Lamada as a character really earned, I can, I can empathize and sympathize to a degree, but I, I don't, I don't believe that he redeemed himself at all. I don't know what you guys think. No, yeah. well, um, I don't, I, mean, I don't think, 
I mean, even let's 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 take it back to like this movie just came out in 1980. He's the guy still alive. People probably have read his book, you know, who are fans of boxing and know his name. Um, I don't. I mean, do we need a redemption story? Like the main character, like, cool, it needs to be likable, I guess, a little bit. But I don't like if that's his character, that's his character, you know, or like that. If that's the person, I'm not I'm not saying that it needs to be at all. Yeah. I'm saying that if the filmmakers, that's what their goal was. It didn't work. For oh, me. yeah, that's yeah, yeah. no, no, no. It, it definitely wasn't there. I mean, what was me. that their goal or were they just trying to make him more likable? You know what I mean? Well, if they I mean, first of all, if they were trying to make him more likable, they to me, they but, 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 like but, De Niro is a charismatic performer. That's what I'm saying, though, right? I didn't like that character. I don't like Jake LaMotta right. as a human but being. How much would you performance is great? Hated the character if De Niro turned off that charisma at all, right? You know what I'm saying? But I'm but I'm saying I'm saying that like against that character, LaMotta being a charismatic LaMotta being a charismatic person is part of why he's able to do the things he right. does. He gets away with abusing his family and his loved ones because he he has that veneer of likability. But then you get into his his head and his it mind, and he's nice. actually a paranoid psychopath. Um, and I think that's a big thing that went unaddressed. And I do think that putting that Bible verse at the end and the general tone of the last like fifteen minutes, it kind of seems like Scorsese is like positioning him to be. And in a, in their commentary, they talk about how they wanted it. To him to kind of start like if not to be fully like rised up from the ashes or whatever to kind of be like a reborn sort of person it's like no he has changed but i didn't see that at all i didn't read I felt it that the way change a little bit in just before the last scene when he's on stage um and he's at the smaller bar and he's emceeing for whatever girl comes out to dance um and just the way he's speaking mm-hmm. the way he's going about it you know we have this jake lamada before that doesn't talk to anybody you know doesn't say hi to anybody doesn't want to whatever now he's kind of now he's free he's on stage he's talkative he's making fun of people he's talking to the crowd you know he's staying up on stage so i think that's a little bit where we're supposed to get it from it didn't land very hard for me you know Mm -hmm. Um, but i felt that the character was different yeah if you if you deep like analyze it you can't pick out those moments like especially because that's that's the moment after he essentially gets like blackmailed into $10,000. He comes back and he like takes apart the belt, you know, even though he's like taking apart his belt, the dishes fall and then he yells at his ex wife, (laughs) you know, he goes back into his own thing. He's a scumbag. um, But yeah, there's definitely a moment on, there's a look on De Niro that you can definitely see that. Okay. Is he like remorseful whatever? But I don't think having a two hour movie in the last three minutes, you can get that full, like, Oh, you know what? I forget this guy. I feel bad. You know, I just, it's not. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you, Josh. I'm like, I wasn't. It's, and it's hard. It's hard. I think that it's, it's interesting to position an audience. It's like with Bojack Horseman, right? Like, spoilers for that show, I guess. But you spend so much time with this character that you're, that you're forced to identify with. The performance is very charismatic. He's a likable guy. Like, he makes a lot of mistakes, but you forgive him because you are getting his perspective, right? So at the end, when everything comes crashing down and he's forced to, like, wreck, like, you know, recognize his faults and come to terms with the, the terrible things he's done, you're conflicted because it's like, yeah, like I, I understand. And yeah, you should be forced to reckon with that. But also I know you and I, and I like you because I spent so much time with you. And I think maybe that's like the difference between six years of a TV show and a two hour movie. And also the fact though, that that's but, the best I've ever seen anybody do that. They, I mean, in BoJack Horseman, they do such a masterful job at that. I've never seen yeah. anything like that when talking specifically about what you're talking about. 
they draw you in so well. Yeah, and that's and another they consistently fair point. <laughs> every season be throwing these Bojack issues at you. It's it, it's not like at the end of the sixth season that's the first time that we felt that too. They've hit you with that every season of like, ah, yeah, you love Bojack, yeah. but look what he did now. <laughs> but it was definitely like next level oh, yeah. shit at the end. I mean that 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 final season was incredible. Well, there's another moment in the movie, Caleb, that I also think that like you know the the fight, right? The fight that he throws, you know, for the mafia mm-hmm. or you know. To kind of show, I guess, to show the audience that he was bought or that he is mm-hmm. influenced by the ma- mafioso, and you know he does end up weeping into his brother's arms, you know, because he's like, he just because he threw a fine. He hates losing, but he'd made that choice, and but that's that's what it was to me. Like it wasn't weeping. Like when he's like, "What have I done?" He's not remorseful for his actions. Yeah, he's upset that he lost a fight. And that's the difference. No. And I, I generally agree with what you're saying. No, no but I, I'm I, saying it's I another disagree. moment. Like, I think maybe the filmmakers try to, like, bring out more of the a likable, you know, empathetic That's kind definitely of what self, they tried to do. No, you yeah, know, I, but so, did so it land? I don't know. That scene landed for me because before that, the whole thing is about he hasn't gotten a title shot. He hasn't gotten a title shot yet because he won't play ball. Right. He won't take a dive. He doesn't want to play ball with the uh, the mafia or whatever. That's so then they finally convince him to Pesci finally convinces him to so that he can you know get his actual title shot and he's in there and he hits the guy at the beginning and the guy's like about to go down so he's got to hold him up the whole time (laughs) so I think after that 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 it wasn't just like oh I lost it's like oh what have I like I that's his one up until that point that seemed to be his one line his like real line of his humanity and a step over that that's when we start to see him just completely lose himself. Sure. Yeah. The definitely. line being what? Throwing the fight. Right. But I'm saying, so what you're arguing that. Um, it's not losing that fucked him up. He's lost before. Like we see him lose to Sugar Ray Leonard before that. And in that he's already lost to him once at the beginning. Um, like Jake Lamont has lost before at that point. It's the, it's the fact yeah. that he threw the fight to some, to some bum that he should, you know. Should have so, knocked out in the first round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's I'm saying like so losing I meant I I didn't mean the by saying that I meant the con the differences between like you know it's still a result of him being upset about making a lack of progress in his ultimate goal which is the title shot to be the best fighter but like he's not coming to terms with like anything to do with his interpersonal relationships or his growth as a human being he's just so laser focused on this one thing that like even when he's losing everybody in his life and his morals and his ideals it all just falls onto the wayside and the only thing he cares about is like a belt you know what i mean yeah but i think going into that even going i think with him breaking down after that scene the whole idea is that yes all he wants is this belt but not that way and to give up your morals is what we see finally break him and put him down that you know just get worse and worse path like that that's what i'm saying i think yes it is the ultimate pursuit for a belt but he have been trying to do it the whole time without doing this so to finally do it's this, like it's, it's like, uh, yeah. it's like selling a soul to the devil yeah you know? the, exactly it's the final nail in the coffin of who this man is going to be and this is kind of the last shot of him okay. going a different way with it because he wanted it outright yeah, he wanted it he wanted to be the best boxer outright yeah that's he didn't want to have to that's my perception yeah of it. No, it's interesting. I, maybe if I were to watch it again I, with that, you know, that's it's, it's a good point for sure. It's mostly just because of he's of what he's saying because he's just yelling like, "What have I done? What have I done? What have I done?" And then they go, to yeah. be like, "How could you even go down?" He's like, "Well, I'm never going to go down. I'm not going down." So the fact, like, it, 
He didn't. He so he, stubborn. Well, that's the thing. He wouldn't even cross the line of taking a dive. Dive, right? He made yeah. it go all. Thir- I think it's thirteen rounds back then, as opposed to twelve, which is crazy. You're fifteen rounds. I don't. I don't even know. But he goes the entirety of the rounds, as opposed to even going down, right? Which is why he gets suspended. Right. Well, yeah. and he made that his last kind of statement Standing to Sugar Ray there. was like. <laughs> He lost to Sugar Ray, but he's like, "Hey, Sugar Ray, I never got, I never got knocked down." Right. You know, that's like the ultimate trophy for a boxer, right? Not being knocked off your feet. And so yeah, for him, he lost. Crazy. He lost he's the fight, like, but he like he never got knocked down. Like that, Sugar Ray only won on technicalities. Also, that dude you know? did not did not look like Sugar Ray, and it was bumming me out. <laughs> <laughs> I but I, I I do think that like the fact that we are talking, I mean like that this is all that he's focused it is all he's focused yeah. about and he's he is in denial about the damage that he's causing to the people around him and himself oh, i don't even think he's aware sure. of it at all um and i think that was like probably my ultimate like where i was going with my point Definitely. um but I, yeah i totally see in that specific moment brandon i i see what you're saying and i think i agree with you but i, I agree like i don't think he realizes anything that he's doing to anyone around him until like the end of the movie when it's way too late which is like which is like a great way to tackle that character and I think the correct way to tackle that character but I just feel like they didn't stick the landing in mm-hmm. terms of like if they wanted to have him kind of turn around and be like oh no like you know that I didn't you see that at you all. You could have had him go see his kids at the end. Something like that. You know what I mean? Just anything. Or like anything. Anything. Dude. anything. <laughs> but there's something beautiful um, about that, you know? There's something beautiful about that he didn't get that at the end. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that would have felt cheap after everything. I would have preferred they go one way or the other with it, is what I'm saying. It feels muddied to me. Like, I don't think that they earned that, what they were going for. Now, did... But that's a minor did thing. Did De Niro win for this? I think he did, right? He won Best Actor? Uh, it definitely won best picture. I don't know. Right? <laughs> um, Raging Bull Oscars. Shit, I should have looked this up before. Uh, yes, he did. So, um, no, it did not win best picture. Uh, De Niro oh, won best actor, and it won best film editing as well, which I would agree with. That was it yeah, was definitely. edited insane, especially well. at the time. Uh, shall we do um, uh, final thoughts and ratings? Uh, you guys ready for that or how are we feeling yeah yeah, you guys go first that's all i i mean i have nothing else on the movie but um Um, because we didn't really do general thoughts at the beginning so i'm gonna do you know yeah we just we just dove right (laughs) in Uh, (laughs) i i I thought it was great um i'm getting used to more and more watching these kind of classic movies which is awesome you know appreciating them you know i give it a i'll give it a a four out of five boxing gloves. Um, yeah, I think, I'll, uh, I think I'll give it a four as well. Yeah, I I watched this. I mean, at this point, it's been a while. Yeah, I ended up um, I ended up giving it a four as well. I think like there's so much to love, it. and we had a great conversation. You know, we we could keep talking longer for sure. There is so much to appreciate about it, but I didn't feel like a real like emotional connection Ooh. to what was happening. And I'm not saying that a film needs that to be good or great or whatever. I think, it, you know, it's still, it is a great movie. But yeah, I feel like pretty comfortable with like a four out of five. It's definitely something that is worth watching. Um, but it's like, it's 40 years old. It yeah. was, you know. And- I have a better perspective <laughs> on it now after we've talked about it. 
Yeah, <laughs> maybe a second watch, yeah. a, a second watch would yield different results for sure. But I definitely felt like that was a really, really solid four out of five. Yeah, definitely. And that's funny. I think this is the first time we've all yeah, agreed. Given the yeah, same one. definitely. <laughs> um, so this is so yeah, this is just as good as House and Miracle, <laughs> according to. Uh, oh, it's definitely just as good as Miracle. <laughs> According oh, to the three of us rating system. Um, so, Josh, yes. what are we watching for next time? I'm very excited about this because I've actually wanted to watch it, but I just, again, never on the radar. But the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Oh, really? Okay, the cool. Shank? I've never seen it. I'm um, sure you guys have. The I best just. Movie of all time? It's always. What? The best movie of all time? The Shank? I, I don't know. Yeah, the shank. <laughs> um, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen that movie a couple times. All right, so I'm I'm interested. Yeah, let's. That's gonna it. be a good one. I'm excited. It's it All might right. be the best movie, period. Like <laughs> no, objectively, Citizen Kane is still the best movie. Apparently, but we'll have to hit Citizen Kane at some point. I think. I don't know, guys. Did you guys end up? Did you guys end up seeing uh, Trolls World I Tour? Because so that shit was good. fire. <laughs> well, um, this was a this was a nice long one. Thank you guys for chatting yeah. with me about it, and uh, thank you guys for listening. That was three m- m- furs on Raging Bull. On Raging Bull. <laughs>